Hello, this is Dr. Terence Thompson coming to you again. Um, I hope that everyone's been well since we last spoke. I want to kind of um, continue on the same track that I've been um, taking in regards to the history of the Jews. And I would like to open up with a scripture taken from Psalms 83 and verse 1, uh, 2, and 3. It says, Keep not thou silent, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For, lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. That's the key word, thy hidden ones. Um, you know, for many years, we have been under this delusion that, um, that Negroids and those people that are called that, through, that are scattered throughout the earth, they're really just simple people who... Um, People oftentimes will laugh at because of their comedic jokes. They will hail them highly because of their athletic prowess. Or they will applaud them because of their ability to sing and to bring about different genres of music. Yet, the scripture calls us his hidden ones. Because the Jews, the real Jews... They have been kept um, covered, hidden, and they have been separated from their land and from their heritage. Now, all that that I just mentioned, that that's a scripture. I mean, all, all the gifts that, that, that the Negroid people have, those are gifts that the Most High God gave to them. These aren't gifts that they acquired themselves. Because the scriptures lets us know that all good gifts comes from above. So if those gifts come from him, then he put them on these people for a reason. We must also look at this factor as well, that the history of the Negroid people is far greater and far more wider than what even generalized modern day and even some ancient history had portrayed. For instance, if we were just to look just simply at um, Europe, many of the countries in Europe, as we know, they were developed because of the Moors. And the word Moor only simply means black. So, you know, I, I don't really want to make a big deal of that. And sometimes people want to try and, you know, get deep in that, that word. And it just simply means black. But the beauty about the Moors is that they brought to Europe, the things that Europe did not have. The, the Russian um, country, as we know it today, the very language is a byproduct of the influence of Moors. Moors were the ones, in fact, that created the, the, the Rusky language that they speak. There have been poets, there's been writers, there's been politicians and, and kings who lived in Russia, who were of dark skin. The European term was swathi because uh, it was frowned upon in certain higher echelons of society to be called 
plain and simply black or more. Someone called you a moor, it was really a term of, of an insult. But when they called you swathi, it was a term of endearment. So when we look about and see how Europe has been developed, and again, this is something that has happened and did happen. Uh, again, it's not taught about. And then when you come on down and you look even in the country of Germany, and as it was called back then, um, Germain Minor and Germain Superior. Um, again, if you ever took the opportunity and you went to the German, the German countries, you will see that there are many artifacts, that there are gargoyles, there are shields, there are uh, displays that all show uh, Negroid heads, Negroid art. Why is that? It just didn't happen. Um, but no one really talks about it in, in that uh, great degree. But the truth is, many of the historians, they know. They know that the society of Europe was built upon the invention and the skills and the talents of those who came from West Africa and Northern Africa. Furthermore, there's proof still that even in England, uh, the bones and some of the, and, and some of the, um, the artifacts there show the influence of Moors and, and um, West African and North African influences. How did it get there? It just didn't appear there. That's the point that I'm trying to convey to you. But one scripture that helps us to understand this, and that's the scripture that comes to us from uh, the book of Deuteronomy 28, 64, 65, 66, and 67. It speaks about the fact that the Jews would be scattered throughout the earth and they would be brought into hard bondage. And part of the reasons for that, again, was because of their sin. The, what sin? The sin to break the laws, the statutes, and the commandments that were given to them from their God, the Most High God. But they broke it. And when they broke uh, those laws, when we jump all the way down to verse 68 of the same chapter, 28 of Deuteronomy, you see where it says that, and you will go back into Egypt again with ships. And, you know, anyone who studied the Bible for a little while, you'll know that they walked into Egypt the first time and walked out. So where does the ships come in? Well, the ships really is an indication of, of prophecy to show that the people who are of Jewish lineage would be taken as cargo to a land that they did not know. And hence how they ended up in the Americas and also scattered through other parts of the world. But one of the things that, that I, I, I want to really give as references, because, you know, for some of you, you may say, all oh, right, that's all Bible, but, but is there any other um, references we can, we can link to or look to? Well, that there are many. But we must remember that the, the source and the key to everything begins with the Scriptures. Everything really stems up from that. All that secular history does is to prove and to confirm what the scriptures have already prophesied and said. But there's a couple of books I'd like to recommend. One of the books is by a gentleman called um, Laurent Bennett Jr., um, a fantastic author. And he wrote the book Before the Mayflower. 
Again, that's a very scholarly book. It breaks down the fact that when uh, the conquistadors, when Columbus or, uh, first came to the Americas, they came and they saw copper-colored people. In fact, the term that I use is a term that's written in many of the historical books in the Smithsonian and in the Library of Congress. They have written that. And in, in their writings, they say that these were dark-skinned people. Some references were they were black people. So there was no such thing as red Indians. I said it before in one of the podcasts that I've mentioned in the past, that, that the reason why they, they believed they were, they called them red Indians, because they had red paint across their eyes. Um, they painted that they're like a, like a, a Lone Ranger mask, a, a red paint across their eyes in order, because that was part of their, their, um, their, their decoration, part of their costume. Um, and when they saw them, that's what they got fixated on, the red paint across their face, not on the, the color of their skin. And so they've used that term in all of the books. Now they're talking about Red Indians and all of that. There's no such thing as, as Red Indians. They were copper-colored people. And you know if you have a penny, it goes from shiny to dark. It's as simple as that. But furthermore, there were, there were two different types. And I mentioned this before, but I, w- I want to say it again. T- there are Negroid Indians, and, which are called the Aboriginals. And then there are Native Indians which are mongoloids. But, but I digress. Let's get back on point. So when we look at some of the reference books, Before the Main Flower is Excellent, the next book that I want to recommend as well is The Portuguese in West Africa, 1415 to 1670. It's a documentary history. Brilliant book. A little bit scholarly and, um, and wordy, so you may have to have a dictionary to go with it, but, but it will open up your minds to what history is really out there. But that was written by, by Marley Newitt. Um, he was a uh, professor in the Department of Portuguese and, and Brazilian Studies at King's College uh, in London. And this particular man, he was brilliant, and he writes a very good display as to the history that took place between those times. And the last book that I'm going to recommend is is a book that, again, is in uh, the Library of Congress. And and if you can get a hold of it, it's expensive. If if you're going to buy it, very, very, very expensive. If you're going to get a copy version of it, um, it may come out a little bit less, but that's uh, the Americas being the latest and most accurate descriptions of the New World. That's a long title. And that's by Amoldus uh, Mantanus. Amoldus Mantanus. Again, another scholar. He was a theologian as well as historian. But let's, let's stay on point. Let's get back to where we are. The scripture tells us very clearly that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. And it's because we have uh, been shut down and kept out of the true uh, informational libraries of knowledge, why we have a limited understanding as to who we are as a people and who the Jews are. Please do not 
you know, do not miss it. The, the, the Bible tells us in verse uh, 3, it says, They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and have consulted against thy hidden ones. Well, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, um, there's been a people that's been hidden, hidden from the world. I believe it's the greatest secret this world has ever kept from mankind. And that secret is that some Negroid people happen to be the real Jews. The scripture tells us in Revelations that those who call themselves Jews, they are not, but they are liars. The scripture also tells us that when the Jews would go back into their own land, there would be peace. Has there been any peace? If anything, what I've seen is a complete mockery of everything that's in the scriptures. In fact, one of the greatest gay pride days are held in uh, Tel Aviv. Can you believe that? Gay pride? Yet the scripture tells us that that is abomination unto the Most High God. And yet... Everyone who is into the, the, the gay pride world will travel there each year for this rainbow coalition type deal of them walking up and down the street displaying themselves in the most corruptible ways. And it's allowed. And the people that are there, you say that they are the true Jews? Give me a break. The scripture lets us know that God's people are the people that he has called his firstborn. And his firstborn are people that he loves with a continuing love. In fact, the scripture tells us it's an everlasting love. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves here with people who are despicable in their actions. In the book of Exodus, uh, chapter 4 and verse 22, it says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord thy God, Israel is my, is my son, even my firstborn. And so his firstborn people have to be treated with a certain amount of respect and they've been disrespected from pillar to post, from stem to stem, from, from the northeast, west and south. But that is going to change. Ladies and gentlemen, as I get ready to, to sign out, what I would like to uh, remind you is that you can check us out a little bit further if you'd like more information about who we are. Go to NMCC Hebrew Academy. Again, that is nmcchebrewacademy.com. Uh, and you can learn a little bit more about who we are, what we believe in, and where we believe that the future is heading. The future is bright because Yahweh, Bashiyam, Yahweh Shai, is returning. And oh, what a day that will be. Shalom.